You're listening to Blood on the Tracks on TMB DOS Radio, a monthly, hour-long exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 7 of Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of movie soundtracks and scores. I'm Lee Russell, your host, and we're back for part 2 of our look at North American produced slasher films from the 1980s. And, well, now we're in the decline, folks. We're in the sort of downward spiral of the genre, as it were. Uh, As alluded to probably in the first episode, I believe I did, the decline started before we even hit 85, but we're going to be covering now 85 to 89. You could say the decline happened starting around 82 to 83. Slasher films had already sort of lost their uh, luster for the big studios. They had picked a lot of stuff up, and a lot of stuff they had picked up, they dropped Uh, And then they just stopped looking. They moved on to other films, other franchises, other ideas. Sure, you still had a couple of big franchises done by the studios that were big moneymakers, like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street. But for the most part, most slasher films couldn't get the time of day anymore. Luckily enough for them, there was the VHS market, which was just really starting to blow up. And so a lot of these films got exposure and got an actual life on the shelf, uh, selling purely as VHS releases. And they would continue to exist for quite a long time. You know, every once in a while, a studio would dig up something and bring it back, and we'll get into that a bit more later. But for the most part, that's where the market stayed. Slasher films declined. They stayed on the video shelves, stayed out of the theaters for the most part. One of the series, of course, that was still in the theaters and one we'll get into right now is the Nightmare on Elm Street series. We're going to be looking at a cut from Christopher Young's score for Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. This was the predominant series that sort of introduced supernatural elements into the slasher film formula. And I think, for my money, this is the best of the series. It's the most interesting one, anyway. It's got more interesting subtext, of course. It's got the uh, gay subtext in it. Um, it's a bit of a body horror film as well. After that, we're going to follow up with the theme from Dream Maniac by Tom Milano and Don Great. And this is just one of those films that sort of took the Nightmare on Elm Street thing and ran with it themselves. Although, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street was not the first slasher film to introduce uh, supernatural themes. It was probably the most obvious one and probably the most influential one throughout the 80s. So we're going to look at those, and then we'll be right back. Thank you. 
there's one thing slasher films always try to do is they try to capitalize on trends in popular culture and try to hook you with gimmicks. So, of course, we got all these influx of holiday-themed slasher films in the wake of Halloween and Black Christmas. The mid-80s were no different. You still saw some pop up here and there. One such one was April Fool's Day, which also served as a bit of a spoof and commentary on slasher films from 1986. The goofy nature of the song Too Bad You're Crazy from Jerry Whitman underlines the sort of central themes and ideas of this film. Some people don't like that one, but uh, I do like it, and I think it's kind of fun. Uh, Another film that was originally called April Fool's Day from the same year is Slaughter High, and the main theme song still retains the April Fool's Day moniker, and that was done by our old friend Harry Manfredini from Friday the 13th. And if you listen to this song, you'll see a little bit of the Friday the 13th-isms still present in Harry Manfredini's work. And then we'll move on to another uh, song here. This is going to be the main title from Chopping Mall from 1986 by Chuck Serino. And Chopping Mall is, you know, a little bit of a change-up of the formula. It's still essentially your basic horny teens being killed, but in this case, they change the setting to a mall, and they send out killer robots who both slash our teens, but also shoot them with lasers. Uh, I believe it's Barbara Crampton who gets her head blown to pieces. It was either Barbara Crampton or one of the other uh, big-titted blondes who decided to have sex in the mall. But either way, this is another good example of trying to infuse a new gimmick, a new twist on the genre in there. And uh, all these films also have a bit of a sense of humor about them as well. You know, they they started getting a little bit more goofy, a little bit more jokey, not taking things as serious, uh, trying to, you know, capture more audience. Uh, If you can make the audience laugh a little bit and make them feel a little bit better about themselves while they're watching a bunch of people get slaughtered, you're probably going to sell more tickets. Or more VHS copies in this case. So there you go. We're going to do these songs and then we'll come back for uh, a last little bit before we hit our break.
as I previously alluded to, one of the trends of the sort of mid to late 80s was trying to find any sort of slasher film that had been sitting on the shelf and just trying to distribute it in the VHS market and get some money out of it. So we have three cuts here that fall into that sort of category. First one we have is Vacancy from Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1986. It was filmed in 83 and, of course, set on the shelf for a while. This one is definitely more in the vein of uh, Eaten Alive and films like that. It's, it's got more of a rural horror vibe to it. Then we're going to look at Best Times from Killer Party from 86. This one was actually started in 1978 and not completed until 1984. And then, of course, set on the shelf for a year or so. This one has a very goofy kind of feel to it, the song does. Uh, it's very, uh, I don't know, very upbeat and very springy and also just kind of simplistic and dumb. It sounds like the Shags if they had really good 80s production behind them. And the last thing we're going to look at is Fall Break from The Mutilator from 1985. And this one was originally filmed in 1982 under the title Fall Break, but they changed it to The Mutilator. Yeah, that one's kind of considered a sort of a... Uh, classic in some people's eyes. I think it's actually probably the worst of all three of these films as far as uh, just production goes. Uh, it's kind of cheap and kind of dumb, but it is pretty bloody, so it's it's got that going for it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to look at all these cuts, and then we're going to come back after our break for the second half of the show.
When the leaves of summer turn to red and gold And the football games bring a hint of the cold Time to get away We'll pack the car with escape in mind Forgetting about classes, leaving books behind Time to get away Empty cottage sitting on the shore Tore us all left about a month before And we're gonna have a good time Gonna have a good time Yeah, we're gonna have a good time We're going on now A ball break, ball walking hand in hand in the moonlight We'll breathe the sweet soul air I swear we'll never part We're going on now A ball break, running sequel in 1916. I'm sure you can all say it along with me. Los Locos kick your butt. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Which is poetry. Yeah, right it is. There. But not uh, enough gangs have theme songs. And they've been churning them out ever since. Uh, the catcher, played by Tom Bergeron, whose name is... Tom what? Berenger. Tom Berenger. Did I say Tom, Tom Berenger? You said Tom, Tom Bergeron. Bergeron from Dancing with the Stars is in this movie. <laughs> Hi, I'm the that. catcher. <laughs> How do you sort out the good? Fred is the real hero of this movie. Oh. He's employing the homeless. He's he really back is. On their feet. Yeah. And he promised them uh, McDonald's. From the bad. Usually he's crying a lot more when he's making this much <laughs> sexual small talk with a woman. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to him for keeping it together. From the ugly. True fact, at this point in the movie, I wrote pointless, pointless, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I had written... Birds, birds, I I, birds. I think I threw my notebook like what three times? Yeah, like at was, the end I was having to put it God. back into your hand. But I wrote birds, birds, birds. <laughs> Join Brad and Jeremy. So, so Snoo Sue sneaks out. Yep, Snoo sneaks. I couldn't say Snoo sneaks. Snoo sneaks out. Snoo sneaks out. 
Using tacticals find the military. <laughs> so, yeah, so Sue sneaks out, Sue sneaks out. <laughs> to, to go talk to the Silver Surfer because she wants to figure out. <laughs> to the Silver Surfer. To the Silver Surfer. <laughs> I think we completely lost it. <laughs> oh, eight episodes in. I think we're just. I think we're crazy. We're done. Good night, uh, folks. On the Deuce Podcast. Check us out on Facebook at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or Google Play. Well, I've never touched a bra is. before. Don't, don't <laughs> yell at me. You never touched a bra? <laughs> well, no, I mean, whatever. I've moved. I mean, I don't. No, I don't shop for. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, the sequel is king. In a world gone mad. As you know, the doomsday clock is a symbolic clock face analogizing humankind's proximity to extinction. One man must fight to survive on the global junkie of the future. You maniacs! You blow it up! Ah, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Which? Versus the Doomsday Clock is that man's story. His search for entertainment is transmitted across time and space for your listening pleasure on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and your Android device. This podcast is not fit for human consumption. Some effects include laughter, concern, nausea, vomiting, and blame for more artifices. The producers accept our responsibility for any side effects, or if they prank you, mind cause. My effect guarantees worth nothing. Zero, 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 uh, overall, not a sausage. In short, you get nothing. Nothing. Good day, sir. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. So, continuing on the trend of gimmicks and sort of trends in society that slasher films were picking up on and running with to make a quick buck... Athletic competition and just general good health and aerobics and body improvement. Those were big themes in slasher films for quite some time. We're going to look at two cuts here that sort of fit within those themes. Of course, cheerleader squads, athletic competition in high school. Very natural that there would be slasher films centered around that sort of thing because, of course, most slasher films center around young teenage protagonists who end up getting killed. So where better to do it than in a high school sort of setting? So, of course, you'll always have cheerleaders, you'll have track teams, you'll have football teams, things like that. Or you can have more of a private academy kind of idea, like in The Majorettes, done by Bill Heisman, of all people, the first zombie in Night of the Living Dead based on a book by John A. Russo, who was one of the original creators of Night of the Living Dead as well. So they were teaming up and still making some films here and there. I'd argue not many of them were all that good, but we do have this song here, World Without Dreams from the Majorettes by Wendy Kelly, and then we're going to move on to something fitting more in the athletic health club side of things. This is... Rock in Rock Extended from Killer Workout by Sonny Hilden. Uh, both of these are very 80s pop kind of thing. Definitely fits right into that aesthetic of purely 80s. Like, you could not mistake these for any other era. 
So there we go. We're going to jump into these right now.
So as the 80s sort of closed down and there was less and less representations of the slasher genre in theaters, uh, the genre just dried up. People just weren't putting money in the slasher films anymore. The pie had gotten smaller. There wasn't as many pieces to uh, cut out of. So people moved away from it. You got to basically see the genre die its first death anyway uh, before Scream came along and sort of reinvigorated things. Although I would argue it wasn't necessarily Scream that did that, but that's a different debate altogether. And I won't get into that shit. Mostly you saw a couple of old franchises coughing up their last gasps uh, of breath for a little while. Uh, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had a cup of coffee. But yeah, for the most part, everything was dead and dying. And everything else was in direct-to-video at this point. And there was still good stuff, though. I mean, don't get me wrong, there was good stuff. But a lot of it just sort of fell under the uh, umbrella of nobody gives a fuck about slasher films anymore. And a lot of them became lost gems, unfortunately. We have four selections here. Three of them fall under the examples of good stuff that was still coming out around this time. And then we have one song that is an example of a dinosaur that needed to be put to bed. So we're going to start off with Night of the Demons from 1988. Uh, this was a good party film, one that me and my friends used to watch as teenagers all the time, rented it on VHS. A lot of fun. Had a good heavy metal slash kind of punky soundtrack to it, but we're going to look at the main title theme from it by Dennis Michael Tenney. Then we're going to move on to the one enduring franchise that started in the late 80s and has continued to probably be the, might be the most successful slasher series when things are all said and done, I think they're up to nine films in the series now, seven to nine, something along those lines. And that would be the Child's Play series. We're going to look at Goodbye Chucky and Child's Play in credits. It's I guess it's just combined into one sort of mishmash uh, from Joe Renzetti. And this was from 1988. Then we're going to look at a fun, another kind of spoofy look at slasher films. And this one basically just took a total left turn from what the original film was. And this is Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers from 1988. We're going to look at Straight Between the Eyes from heavy metal band Anvil. And then we're going to finish off with a track from Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan from 1989. One of the biggest pieces of crap <laughs> it's a high-concept Friday the 13th film that does not capitalize on its concept at all until, like, the final 20 minutes of the film. For the most part, Jason is on a fucking boat teleporting around, killing stupid characters that no one gives a fuck about. And then, when he finally gets to fucking Manhattan, hardly anything happens. They could have really done something with that film, but they just decided... Not to. I don't think the money was there, honestly. Uh, it was just an example of everything had been exhausted with these big franchises, and there was nothing new to really do. So there you go. Uh, we're going to finish off with that. Darkest of the Night from Metropolis from Friday the 13th Part 8. That'll be our last song. I hope you guys enjoyed this look into North American slasher films from the 80s. This was fun to dig through. Uh, every time I seem to do an episode now for Blood on the Tracks, I find myself digging more and more and more <laughs> things seem to get deeper and deeper i don't know what the next episode's going to be i'll decide that very very shortly but until next month thank you all for listening and uh happy halloween
It's a simple world But it's all they know Just gotta see it through for listening to Blood on the Tracks. For other episodes of this program, as well as episodes of our main podcast, They Must Be Destroyed on Site, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.